leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Nearly $3 billion a year is wasted on cancer drugs because of the way they're packaged, according to a study in BMJ. These expensive drugs that are injected or infused come in fixed-size vials, and patients often require less drug than what's sold as a single dose. Because of restrictions on the ability to use leftover drug, the result is that it's usually thrown out. Nevertheless, drug makers have little incentive to do things differently because the waste enhances their profitability. We spoke to Leonard Saltz, an oncologist with Sloan Kettering Memorial Cancer Center and co-author of the study, about the findings, why Europe doesn't have the same problem, and what can be done to stop the waste. Len, thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here. We're going to discuss a recent study you co-authored in BMJ about billions of dollars wasted on cancer drugs in the United States because of the way they're packaged. For people who may not be familiar with the way injectable and infused cancer drugs are purchased and delivered to patients, perhaps you can just begin by walking us through that. Sure. So uh, when these drugs are sold, they're sold in single-use vials, which means that once we take the amount of drug that we're going to use out of the vial, the rest of it for all practical purposes, can't be used for someone else and winds up getting uh, getting thrown away. So uh, most of these drugs are dosed on body size based on, on either the weight of the patient or a nomogram that involves the height and the weight. And so, for example, if we say an average-sized person would be about 70, 75 kilograms, uh, that would bring us in the, you know, 140, 150 range in terms of, of, of pounds. Uh, if I have a vial of something that is, is sold, say, only in hundreds, I have to open two vials for 200 milligrams. And if I've got, uh, 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 if I'm only going to be using 140, say it's dosed at two milligram per kilogram on a 70 uh, kilogram person, that means I've got 60 milligrams worth of the drug that I'm going to have to throw away. And what a lot of people don't understand is that because of the risk of contamination, uh, there are rules, essentially laws, that make it very, very hard to utilize that drug for another patient. Once the vial is open, the drug has to be used within six hours, and uh, it can only be shared in facilities that have fairly high-tech uh, pharmacies and the, the equipment to make it completely safe, and most practices don't have that. Is there any sense 
as to how much drug is typically discarded after a, a patient is dosed? Well, it varies tremendously from drug to drug. And what we showed in our paper is it varies tremendously by how the uh, manufacturer has chosen to package the drug. We found some situations where the manufacturer chose to create a number of different vial sizes such that it was possible to pretty much just open the vials that you needed to treat the patient and have very little waste, whereas other manufacturers would have vials that virtually assured that there would be substantial waste in the majority of patients. And what we really found to be uh, rather insidious was a number of situations where in Europe there were more or smaller vial sizes available relative to what was available in the United States, such that treating the same patient in Europe would result in substantially less wastage of drug. Your study looked at the top 20 cancer drugs. Why did you decide to focus on the top 20? Well, that that was really, a, a, the number was somewhat just a matter of practicality. There are an awful lot of drugs in cancer, but that represented the overwhelming majority of the uh, expenditures on, on cancer drugs uh, because uh, they're the the high-dollar uh, agents that are, are used in, in fairly large quantity. And what data did you look at? So what we did is we took a look at uh, how much uh, drug is, is sold uh, based on, on publicly available data. And we looked at the packaging and we extrapolated for uh, average size individuals, how much would be wasted on each dose, and from that uh, calculated out the expected amount of wastage uh, for each, each drug. We also uh, went one step further and uh, included a table in the paper where we worked to come up with our best uh, preference for a new vial size for each drug and showed that by adding just one vial to each of these 20 drugs, uh, we could save well over a billion dollars uh, a year in terms of reducing the waste. And in terms of waste, what were the overall findings? Well, we found that when you, uh, when you add it all up, we approached $3 billion a year in the United States of expensive drugs that are being thrown away. And that was a combination, firstly, of the way they were packaged, and secondly, of how very expensive they were, such that if you have a drug that's selling, for example, there's a drug that uh, at the current rate sells for slightly over $150 per milligram. And to put it in perspective, the current price of gold is about $4 per milligram. You can do the math. Um, and so if you waste even a few milligrams on each dose, it's quite a substantial amount of money. Now, one of the factors that I think many people have become concerned with is just how much money is being spent in our healthcare system and how much money is being spent in cancer care. And everyone is looking for areas where we can eliminate waste. This to us seemed a really obvious choice because this is literally waste. This is expensive, useful drug that is being directly put into the trash rather than being used for patient good. And I, I take it that drug manufacturers don't use standard size vials, that a cancer drug from one drug maker may be available in different sizes than a cancer drug from another drug maker. W walk us through some of the, the examples of how that might affect the profitability of a drug. Well, firstly, remember that drugs are dosed based on their individual potency and safety values such that the dose may be 
one milligram of one drug and 100 milligrams of another drug and 1,000 milligrams of another. So it, you have to have different vial sizes available depending on how much drug it, that you're going to need. But the decision, once you have a sense of how much drug you're going to want, is uh, is one that the companies are pretty much free to make. The uh, Food and Drug Administration has to approve the vial size, but they don't have very stringent criteria and certainly no basis for uh, saying no unless uh, they, they, they see some major safety uh, issue. So uh, one of the issues that you know, that 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 we think needs to be considered here is the regulatory environment and the degree to which there were there was any kind of incentive for companies to use a, a packaging that would minimize the waste. Right now, we really don't have that. I, I imagine that that doctors and hospitals, because of the way they're compensated on these drugs, benefit from this waste as well. That is uh, unfortunately the case. I think we have a. Uh, a long-standing and counterproductive situation in which the purchaser of the drug, be it a doctor or a hospital, um, is essentially buying wholesale and selling retail and making a certain amount of money on the markup. And that is usually a fixed percentage of the price. That leads, number one, to an incentive to use the more expensive medications because there's a higher markup on the more expensive medications. And number two, uh, it puts the purchaser directly in line to benefit from the amount of drug that's being wasted as well. Because in our system, the drug that is purchased is what's paid for, whether it's used or whether it's wasted. So one of our proposed uh, solutions would be to modify the system such that we truly pay for what we use. And uh, since there's very, very uh, reliable and consistent documentation of exactly how many milligrams of drug each patient gets, have essentially a virtual buyback where you would be reimbursed for the amount of drug not used. That would certainly incentivize companies to create uh, vial sizes that minimize waste. You limited your study to cancer drugs, but there are other expensive biologics that are packaged and dosed in the same way. Is there reason to believe this is a problem that extends beyond cancer drugs? Oh, I think it's very clear that this extends well beyond cancer drugs, and we cited a couple of circumstances in our paper uh, looking at drugs that are used for uh, uh, chronic inflammatory diseases and looking at asthma drugs and showing that uh, uh, there are situations where uh, enormous amounts of money are being wasted on a grand scale. Uh, we are at a cancer center. I'm an oncologist, and uh, therefore our focus has been on, on uh, cancer care and cancer drugs. But I think that this is indicative of um, a lot of what's going on with modern expensive drugs throughout medicine. You mentioned the problem is not the same in Europe. Is have, have has European regulators taken step to require different file sizes? I'm not privy to the specifics, but one would assume that that's the case. Uh, we certainly know that European governments take a much more proactive uh, stance in terms of negotiating prices and compensation with drug companies, such that Americans pay substantially more for drugs than people outside the United States do. Uh, we have uh, what I think is a, a very counterproductive arrangement where uh, once our Food and Drug Administration approves a drug and they're required to approve it without any consideration of what it will cost or what or any cost issues whatsoever, Medicare is then required to uh, buy it 
uh, for the indication it's approved for, and they are forbidden from negotiating price. And what that really means is that the pharmaceutical companies are at liberty to set the price anywhere they want. Uh, that's certainly not the case in Europe, and that leads to uh, the situation where uh, the prices for the same drugs over there are considerably less than they are in the United States. I would imagine that that same degree of, uh, of government involvement in negotiation has to do with the more rational vial sizes. Where's the FDA on the issue? I mean, is this something that's on their radar? Is this something they have authority to address? So I can't speak for the FDA. Um, the uh, FDA, as I said, is not empowered to consider cost. And uh, therefore, uh, whether this is something that they can control or not is, is uh, somewhat debatable. Um, we did point out in our paper that the guidance that the FDA gives companies is somewhat vague and nonspecific and is somewhat contradictory to guidance uh, that's out there from Medicare and from the Center for Disease Control. So um, the different uh, offices of our government that are potentially involved in this uh, are not on the same page. What's the solution? How do we fix the problem? And, and is there an effort to do so? Well, we thought that the first thing to do in terms of addressing the problem was to um, bring it out into the sunshine. I think that this is something that has been going on for a very long time and probably got started in an era where the drugs just weren't that expensive and wasting some drug was no big deal. Uh, you know, when the drugs are 20 or $30 a vial and you throw away uh, a quarter of it, 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 it just doesn't matter. But when the drugs can be twenty or $30,000 a vial, as some of our drugs are, uh, throwing away even a small percentage of that amounts to a very large amount of money. And so quietly and, and subtly, we've all gotten too comfortable with this practice. And, um, and, and we thought that uh, recognizing it, quantitating it, and uh, publishing it in a way that uh, everybody can take a look at it and begin to understand it would be a very important first step. Where it goes from here, how we solve it, that's going to be difficult because this is clearly leading to increased revenues for pharmaceutical companies. Uh, no pharmaceutical company has responded to our paper with a reaction of, oh my goodness, we weren't aware, we'll fix this right away. Um, and we didn't realistically expect that that would be the case. We, we believe that uh, companies have thought very carefully about how they're packaging their drugs and how that influences uh, their revenues. And let's face it, that's their job. Um, but I think that this is going to make it apparent that uh, we're going to need to think about how to um, influence the environment and the market such that there's incentive for companies to minimize the waste and, and uh, provide more rational uh, packaging and or a more rational compensation mechanism where we're not paying for the drug that goes in the trash. I should point out one of the more insidious responses that we got from one of the companies was, well, we're going towards a flat dosing. We moved to a very large vial size in order to uh, create a situation where we just give the whole vial or two whole vials to the patient. Uh, that doesn't really solve the problem. That's overdosing the patient. That's giving the patient more drug than the data support without any evidence that that's useful for the patient. And frankly, all that is is dumping the excess drug into the patient instead of into the trash. Uh, that, to me, is hiding the problem, not solving it. 
Leonard Saltz, oncologist with Sloan Kettering Memorial Cancer Center and leader of the Pharmacy and Therapeutics Committee there. He's also co-author of the article, Overspending, Driven by Oversized Single-Dose Vials of Cancer Drugs, in the March 2016 issue of BNJ. Len, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.